thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. I'm Camille Diaz, and if you are sick and tired of setting goals and not achieving them, jump on over to my website, go.optimized.zone. Enroll in my online course, Driven, and gain access to the exact formula I've used to accomplish my goals, like write a book, increase revenue, lose 30 pounds, and record over 100 episodes of this podcast. Start experiencing the joy and satisfaction that comes with achieving your goals. That's go.optimized.zone. Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing negotiating your salary. My guest is Iris Culp. She's a leadership and career coach. Iris, welcome to Money Heart. Thank you, Camille. I'm so pleased to be here. Very glad to have you here. So as a career coach, when people come to you to talk about salary, what are the most common aspects that they're frustrated with and really want to discuss? Well, often it is not being certain how to wade into that discussion, if you will, with a potential employer. Mm. And if they should be bringing it up or how that's going to start. So what typically happens is that the employer brings it up and it's happening earlier in discussions nowadays than, than I saw it happen, say, eight, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a focus just in the interviewing and recruiting process to make sure no one's wasting anybody's time. And I think that's one of the driving factors. Gotcha. But that can put an individual in a search in, in an awkward position kind of early on. Mm-hmm. So it's usually just like, what's okay to say, what's not okay to say, kind of where to start. And just, it feels like a little bit like um, a quicksand, right? Because they don't want to like jump in with a number and then be wrong and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's usually a lot of stress about that and there really doesn't need to be. I tend to suggest a really straightforward kind of approach, which is if you get asked, so what is your salary expectation? I totally give people permission to answer that question with a question. Nice. And we're, we're kind of conditioned, especially in that kind of a situation. Oh, they're asking these questions. You know, it's an interview. I've got to answer every question. No, stop. You don't need to answer that question. I love it. You don't have to answer that question. This is perfect. Exactly. So I, I tend to say every employer has a salary range. Okay. Mm-hmm. They have one and they know it. I don't care if it's a fortune 500. Certainly they have a lot of compensation people who sit around in offices all day long and figure out the ranges. If it's a mom and pop store or whatever, small organization, have a range you know they don't go to market to hire talent without having thought about that so instead of trying to i make the analogy put blindfold over your eyes and try to hit the target you know the little bullseye just say oh well as long as i'm paid market competitive and this and this and this really interests me about the job you know 
what's important to me is be consistent and competitive in the marketplace. Ah. What your range is. And that's kind of the toss back. Yeah. So 99% of the time, they're going to tell you what their range is. And then you're not blindfolded trying to shoot a dart in a tiny space. Right. Yeah. I really like that. So to make sure that I got it, because that's yeah. a big deal, it's saying, well, I'm sure that I'd be happy with whatever your range is, as long as it's competitive in the marketplace. So you're kind of going, I hope you're offering something that's reasonable. Right. And it kind of communicates, you know, I, you know, cause no employer is going to say, Oh no, we pay less than the market. <laughs> right? They're not going to say that. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I guess you're applying a little bit of pressure. I mean, part of why I suggest you say that is you express, Hey, I have value in the market. Mm -hmm compliment them or potentially compliment that, that I'm sure your range is there, you know, and also kind of facilitates the bigger question, which is, are we going to be compatible? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it also says you've done your research, like, well, hey, I know what this job runs. Right, right. And I specifically, you know, if you're putting a resume in or you know you're having this conversation, I suggest doing doing your research and so when you say that question you already have at least three data points of information to work from one of them is your is the research you do on market which is i i tend to prefer salary.com i know a lot of people go to glassdoor but for some technical reasons salary.com is a little bit more reliable around who reports and it's less anyway so there's some of that ADECO, I have access to, to their salary reports, which are extremely comprehensive. And then your past salary. And your past salary would be one point among at least three. Mm. Then you can, then one, you can be more objective about where you were and kind of take all those things into account. Mm -hmm. So you know, doing a little bit of research before you get into a conversation can be highly empowering because without that, one tends to feel in approaching this first conversation like, well, you know, I don't want to ask too much, but, you know, I say a number, then I'm going to undersell myself. And that's a real, that's a very valid concern. Right. And, and if they press you and say, well, you know, our range is here to here and they share the range, then you've already, you already know kind of where things are at because you've done that other work. Mm. And then perhaps it's like eh, a little bit low or it's way higher than you, than you expected, you know, then it's kind of gravy train. You're like, well, that sounds like it's within my target. Or if it's super low, say, well, you know, the top of that range sounds workable. I mean, it just gives you a lot of movement mm -hmm. in being locked. And that's one thing you don't want to be locked into any negotiation experience, of course. And yeah, you're not negotiating, but it is kind of a level set of expectation that has to happen in that initial piece. So people are usually most concerned about how that conversation is going to start out. Right. Right. What happens if someone's salary at a previous job was low and they knew it was low and yeah. they're trying to move up, but they're scared that the new employer is going to want to pay them only slightly above what they made before. 
Right. So great question, because some employers are not even, some states are not allowing employers to even ask that question. Oh. Okay. Yeah. For a whole host of reasons that I won't bore you with. But if someone's like, well, but shouldn't I tell them? No. And the other thing I like to point out, and this is an analogy I often make. So if a roofer comes to my house and says, hey, I did your neighbor's roof and I charged them X, Y, I'll, I'll do yours for the exact same price. We wouldn't expect that. That's illogical, right? Mm -hmm. The different roof with different situations. So my former employer, maybe they were underpaying me. So why would I give that information to a future employer? Because they may choose to use that in a way to, you might say, undersell or underprice things. I don't mm. often see that happen. I'm not going to say it doesn't. I'm not that naive, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been around the block. <laughs> been once or twice, right? Yeah. Not yeah. your first day. I understand. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, what about people who are coming back to the job market after being unemployed or maybe they took a break to have a family and now they're, they're wanting to re-enter? What kind of things do you teach them or coach them on for salary negotiation? Because, I mean, what they were making, even though it might have been at top of the market five or six years ago, may right. not be that currently. Right. And this is where people, I, I'm passionate not to let people kind of undersell their skills. Hmm. So part of it goes into, you might say, even some of that pre-work of making sure their resume and their LinkedIn is really positioning their skills properly. And that's kind of a whole separate conversation. But in terms of the salary piece, my, my advice just on that piece in their search would be do the same thing. You might have to leave your past salary as, as kind of a smaller point, you know, in your collection of information and really focus heavily on, you know, what things are paying. And some, some employers will publish it within a posting. Most don't, but some do. Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few different places where you can collect data. Um, you just have to do a little bit of digging. And right. then, again, industry is going to affect that. You know, there's going to be really a number of factors. Probably the biggest thing to keep in mind, too, in terms of salary, and I know this show is Money Heart, and that's why I was really excited when um, you shared about, because the salary piece is such an emotional side of money, and I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. You think, well, you know, just human nature. Well, what I get paid is, you know, what I'm worth, and yes, it is, and no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> What you get paid is really a reflection of three things. The industry you're in, mm -hmm. the scarcity of the skill set, mm -hmm. and your geography. So it's really those, you might say, three factors that all play into it. Because mm -hmm. obviously the scarcer your skill is, you know, that's just something we all know. So skill scarcity, I mean, there's the skills and then underneath that it's the scarcity of the skill. And then it's the industry you're in. So it, some industries have a huge margin, mm. right? Um, for example, oil and gas, which, you know, it has peaks and valleys, but they tend to really, and even the compensation people in those organizations and in those industries take a lot of pride in paying in the 95th, 97th percentile, et cetera. 
Okay, I'm going to pause you really quick yeah. because I want our listeners and viewers to, to really know what percentile means because sometimes we throw that number out for test scores and, and percentages and all this kind of stuff and not everybody is a statistics whiz. And so if I tell me if I have this right, if someone's paying in the 90th percentile, that means the salary package at that job is higher than 90% of the salary packages from the same job for other companies. Am I getting that? That is absolutely correct. Okay, cool. All right. So now we know what 90th or 95th percentile means. So oil and gas tends to be like that. It tends to be in that, in that 90th or above. Now the trade-off is they're very cyclical, right? So ups and downs. Mm -hmm other spectrum. I have spoken with some people who are like, oh my gosh, I just want stability. Well, you know, that it, it's somewhat elusive, but um, probably the most stable thing you can do is, is um, present yourself well on LinkedIn all the way going forward because, you know, your own personal brand is, is really what gives you stability in your network. But in terms of industry and stability, that really goes around those comp- those type of organizations that don't don't pay well, educational institutions, utilities, things that have very little volatility in their industry. Mm. You know, sometimes people will say, "Oh my gosh!" In fact, I think I was sharing with you earlier someone. I was working with had left an oil and gas company and they were like, I want to go work at this university and chatted with this individual post interview at the university. And she was so stunned at the salary range at the university. She said, I laughed. (laughs) And I said, I hope it wasn't very loud. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, She had worked at this oil and gas company her whole life and just had never really had the occasion because it sounds like, oh, it would be a wonderful or, you know, it, it, you know, sometimes we have perceptions of certain industries as being Mm. the the perfect place. Yeah. The work was a little different as well, but it was roughly so four times what she had uh, or four times less. I'm not a guru on that, but what it was 200% less than her former salary. Wow. Right. So, um, so I guess rough numbers, was she making six figures? Yes. A bit over six figures. And then this one was more in the thirties. In the um, a year range. She shared that with me and was, and I just said, actually for that role inside of a university, that's, that's pretty decent money. And, um, so anyway, it's just to say, it's not a reflection of really our value it's a reflection of these things right industry um skills and then to some degree geography of course we all know that geography is a, is a big indicator right of, yeah of that and i like that point of the the stability within that industry so you know oil and gas things go well everybody gets hired oil and gas things go poorly everybody gets fired or laid off you know and that that happens every two to five years and there are very few people that work at the same company in the same job for more than three to five years in oil and gas because every time things go south they've got to lay everybody off and then they just rehire again later right Mm -hmm. and 
pandemic, I mean, the aviation industry, you know, they hire right. in mass when they hire, and then when they lay off, it's usually in mass. Yeah. Right. It's industry is is really a significant factor in terms of the salary. So mm-hmm. it's not about you. You know what I mean? It's sure. personal, but it's not personal. Right. So it's not personal against you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. And I, I like that um, idea because it, it's something to know, hey, if I want to work in this industry where I'm going to get compensated in the 90th percentile for what I'm doing, I might want to be putting half of that back for exactly. the day that they lay me off because I know it's coming. Exactly. I, I have worked with, um, I think, more than one reservoir engineer and those individuals are, are highly paid as they should be for these very specific skills that make a huge impact on those companies' business and return on investment. And um, I'm thinking of one individual in the last several months, and he said, "Yeah, no, I have, I have about two years worth of savings because I'm in I'm in this industry." And then, sadly, I've spoken with some other people in that industry who um, didn't have any, so didn't didn't have any savings, um, and. When this person was interviewing, I'm thinking, again, just one particular individual, you know, they were having a hard time getting interviews because they knew the potential employers were like, well, you've come from this organization in town that's an oil and gas, and we know how much they pay, so you're going to be dissatisfied with whatever pay we can afford to give you. Mm. If you do land in one of those, I'll call it gravy train industries for a period of time, like I heard you sharing the other night on one of your shows, which is, you know, it's helpful to put some, some aside, right? Yep. So that's something I see certainly during this time that, you know, it, money is a, is a tool. And if we can set some aside, it's always good, regardless of how much we make. And I tell my teenagers, you know, it's not necessarily how much you make, it's how much you live under whatever it is you make. Right. Yes. Very true. Very true. Always putting some aside. Because even if you have one of those, let's say, more stable industries, Mm -hmm. you still don't know what's going to happen with your family, what's going to happen with your health, what's going to happen if you get into a car wreck, what's going to happen with the weather. You just never know. Right. Yeah. Earthquakes in Oklahoma, who would have ever thought? Earthquakes and tornadoes and ice storms and all kinds of things, fires that are happening. You never know what's going to happen outside of the things you can control. So having money on hand never hurts. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite life phrases, if you will, kind of a mantra that I often joke about, but it's really true. You know, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. And right. think that's one of my favorite little quotes yes so so anyway yeah I love that mm-hmm. to, to some but yeah it's um it's an objective point of view so make sure as you're approaching that conversation with potential employer you're collecting that mm-hmm. so you you're armed with that information before the conversation starts that's perfect that's perfect so i want to talk about a little bit more you gave us some in the beginning um tough questions that come up typically in interviews? Because I'm sure that there are maybe some traps or landmines or whatever you want to call them that interviewers tend to throw out that gives them a lot of information and sort of leaves the interviewee maybe a little bit stuck. 
um, how can we do a better job of answering those? And if you want to cover the salary one one more time, that'd be okay. Because I'm sure all of us are like, wait, what happened? Maybe I have to rewind. <laughs> so we know we got it. Yeah, let me touch on probably the big caveat on the salary mm -hmm. questions. What were you making at your last employer? And that's usually the big, um, the big hole to avoid stepping in. Mm -hmm. Or you just simply say, oh, well, what I would like to know is what is your range for the position? Perfect. Then literally stay silent. Silence in an interview is often golden. <laughs> ah. And we have a tendency because of the adrenaline rush that comes with an interview. Mm -hmm. The mentality is I'm now prepared for questions. So again, if you get that salary, tell me what you were making at your former employer. Just take a deep breath, even, and I suggest practicing this even. Um, well, a lot of things, you know, you get better with practice and just say, well, this and this position really interests me. Can you tell me more about the range of the role in terms of the salary range? Mm -hmm. I think of the bullseye and your dart and you're blindfolded. So mm -hmm. it helps avoid that question. Yeah. And um, the other things in a, a very high level in terms of preparing for an interview Lots of times people feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be ready for every question. They really don't. I suggest going in with a very specific, you might say, bullet list of things that you think they ought to understand about your background. So that when the interview is over, you can consider it a success if you got, say, these five data points across or these five mini stories. And then that goes into you know, some other things in terms of how to prepare for an interview. Mm -hmm. but, um, and then the other general tip I have is the one I mentioned earlier about silence. If you get a question and you're not certain really kind of how to tag into it, just feel free to say, hmm, you know, let me give that some thought. And then take your 10 seconds. Because the worst thing that you can do is start talking because then your brain is your brain is editing your speech and trying to think of the answer. Mm -hmm. People will totally be like, oh, this person's being thoughtful. So if you use that for salary or any other questions, that's probably the big one that is really hard to do because of just the, the dynamic of an interview. Mm -hmm. So is a lot of what you do maybe coaching on one, it sounds like confidence so that when someone goes in there, they, they feel like, a little more confident and 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 maybe a little less of the um i i want to say submissive position of i'm going in begging and hoping that they will choose me for this job and much more trying to be on equal footing of i really have something to offer let's absolutely. see if this job is a fit absolutely and i have seen interviews you might say be made on the questions that the candidate asks of, say, the, the panel. I'm thinking of several. Mm -hmm. so, so do go in. I definitely, I mean, you've absolutely nailed it, Camille. You go in and, yes, you have some things you want them to understand, but you have some questions for them that they should be answering. And 
one thing I'm really passionate about is if you're searching for a job and you're currently unemployed, don't let that cloud your approach or your, um, just your approach to interviewing. So I can talk a lot more about that, but that would be a different discussion. A <laughs> whole second topic. <laughs> I love it. I think this has been really helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, Iris can be found at her website, www.ic-growth.com. And that IC is her initials for Iris Culp. So it's ic-growth.com. And she's also on social media under the same handle. I, the letter I, C, the letter C, and growth. Uh, thank you as well to all of our listeners and viewers. I'm your host, Camille Diaz. This show is sponsored by Serenity Financial, a Five Rings financial agency, specializing in financial education, living benefits, and guaranteed lifetime income. Iris helps come up with our money mantra for today. Do you want to share that with us, Iris? You go ahead. Okay, I will do it. Um, and I really liked your, your previous one. Um, can you say that one again, too? the um know your worth well know your worth yes is the one for that and the one you gave us in the middle of your favorite saying oh life is what happens while you're busy making other plans yes <laughs> i think that's a great one to remember life is what happens while you're busy making other plans and our mantra for today is i know my worth <laughs>